Hello, and welcome to the podcast of the Central Church of God, located at 5120 Central Avenue, Portage, Indiana. Here, you can listen to Sunday service by Pastor Robert Sluter. If you have questions, prayer requests, or want more information about our church, please feel free to contact Pastor Robert at 219-963-8496. Blessed be your name. Can we do that right now? Can we call on the God of Jacob? Heavenly Father, we call on your most holy name right now. You're the same God. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're able to move in this room, this very hour, this very moment, in this place. You're able to move online. Those who are not able to be here, we pray right now. We're praying to the same God who worked miracles back then. This is a house of miracles. This is still a place of refuge. This is still a place of healing. This is still a place of salvation. This is still a place of deliverance. This is still a place of being set free. This is still a place where relationships are restored and lives have hope. And we call on your most holy name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Get ready. God has something for us today. Everybody say breakthrough. I believe that God has a breakthrough for us this morning. Amen. Title of this message today, the breakthrough in his presence for our descendants. How many can hold on to that? Last week we talked about the promise of his presence for our descendants. I believe that he has a promise, not only a promise of his presence, but there's a promise of breakthrough. Amen. 
and you're going to be blessed today, I believe, by his word. So let's go ahead and grab our Bibles. As we've been in this theme for this year of returning, refining, rebuilding, we're staying with that. We know that God is able to move through us. Let's say the declaration of the word right now as that comes up on the screen. Here we go. Are you ready? I believe this is the word of God. I believe is fully the Word of God in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'm ready to receive from God's Word today. I'm alert, I'm listening, and I'm hungry. Lord, open my ears to hear and my heart to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm praying for, I'm asking for your prayers this morning. I believe that God has a direction for us. I believe this is going to be a powerful word for us today, for you who are watching online, for you who are going to share this later on. I believe there's others going to hear this. And I just want to get wrapped around this idea of breakthrough. And so I'm just going to pause at the beginning. I'm going to give you the Webster Dictionary definition of breakthrough. And uh, the first one is a sudden advance, especially in knowledge or technique. A second definition for breakthrough is a, an act or instance of, instance of moving through or beyond an obstacle. And a third has to do with warfare. It's an offensive military assault that penetrates and carries beyond a defensive line. And I've took this definition and walked through this definition, and I was praying through this, and, and I want to submit an adaptive meaning for us for R3N23. Are you ready for this? First one here is a sudden advancement. Next slide, please. A sudden advancement. Uh, let you move forward. Next slide. We're having trouble. I want everybody to be able to read this. They'll catch up. I'll just go ahead and do it. A sudden advancement to move beyond the walls of a fence. Family hurt. World hurt or church hurt? I'm going to give it to you again. I know we're, it's, it, here's how the enemy works. When there's something good, he wants to try to block it, okay? So here we go. Here we see it now. A sudden advancement to move beyond the walls of offense. Some of these offenses are family hurt, world hurt, or church hurt. There's people who are bound up. The enemy has bound them up. Because of something that happened in their family that they're still holding on to, that's crumbling them, that's crippling them, that's restricting them. There's something that they may have faced in the world on a job or what people said to them about them growing up, uh, being in a place, whatever that, that looks like. It, it could be on a workplace. It could be in school. You know, there's people carrying hurt from a high school and when they're 50, 60, 70 years old. They still go back in their mind of the hurt they had in, in high school. And, and there needs to be a breakthrough. How many believes that there can be a breakthrough, a sudden advancement to, to move beyond the walls of offense at, at any moment? We know we pray for uh, freedom all the time, but I believe when this breakthrough happens, it's a sudden advancement at a moment. Something happens. It's a power of God that breaks us through, that we can get past that hurt. And it could be family hurt. It could be, it could be world hurt. It could be church hurt. There's been people who's been hurt by the church. It's a tactic of the enemy. We come against that in the name of Jesus, and we declare that there's a breakthrough that can happen today, either here or online, but God wants to give you the breakthrough. You don't have to hold on to it. You don't have to carry it. You're able to give it to God, and you know there's a breakthrough because it's a sudden advancement. I'm moving beyond. Someone say, move beyond. 
We're not even in a word yet. I'm getting excited about a definition. Amen. Hallelujah. I've got another one for you. Here you go. Look at this one. This one now has to do with spiritual warfare. Are you ready? To penetrate the defensive line the enemy uses to separate our prodigals for the God, for, from God's purpose. Let me say it again. The spiritual warfare, this, this idea of breakthrough is to penetrate the defensive line the enemy uses to separate our prodigals from God's purpose. How many knows that God has a purpose for not just you, but for your descendants, for your children, for your sons, your daughters, your grandchildren? He has a divine purpose, and the enemy is trying to draw a line. He may have taken them behind the line for a while, but I'm telling you that right now that God is going to help us break through. We're going to cross over the defensive line. We're going to sneak in. We're not going to sneak in. We're going in boldly. Let's just say it right. We're going in boldly because the line of Judah is leading us on. I'm going to call this prayer bombs. Because of our times of prayer, we're able to bomb into the enemy's camp and we're going to take back what the enemy's stolen and we're going to claim our prodigals. Is somebody believing with me today? Amen? Well, if you're getting that excited about the definitions, let's get into the word. Let's see, let's see what God does here today. I want to go back to Nehemiah chapter 11. I'm trying to connect this message with last week as we continue on. Looking at these few verses again, but I'm giving you a different heading to think about them under. And this one, I'm going to give you this breakthrough to follow leaders. How many knows that it's important to have leaders? If no one ever leads, nothing ever gets done. Sometimes people say there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians, but sometimes there's too many Indians and no chiefs. You, you've got to have you've got to have some leaders, and when God ordains leaders, it, it blesses us. It helps our lives when we connect with the right leaders to follow because God is speaking. And and when we look at the story of Nehemiah, how many knows that God raised up Nehemiah to be a leader? He raised them up to go back to Jerusalem to lead the project of building the wall. And they were able to do it in an astonishing time. In 52 days, they were able to rebuild the structure under the leadership of Nehemiah. Not only his leadership, but the favor of God that he had on his life. And that's something that we want to connect to. And we get down to chapter 11, and we saw this last week, that, that they were beginning to say, hey, the leaders are going to dwell in the the." Uh, the the Jerusalem promenade, the, the main area of Jerusalem, and then we're going to surround the other areas with other people of God in that area, but we're going to also draw out one name out of ten to join the leaders in the city to dwell there. So let's look at these verses again. The breakthrough comes by following leaders. Now the leaders of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people cast lots to bring one of the ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine-tenths were dwell in the other cities. And the people blessed all the men who were willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. It sounds like a great message for Veterans Day weekend. We bless the men and women who are willing to offer themselves to serve others. Amen. And so, God, we pray right now on this day. We're praying for those who are stepping up in the kingdom of God willing to take some shots from the enemy because there's some shots coming out from the enemy. But there's going to be some leaders that stand up and say, you can go ahead and throw your fiery dart, Satan, but I've got the shield of faith and I'm going to hold it up and I'm going to keep marching forward in victory because Jesus is on my side. Going through this passage, verse 4. 
Also in Jerusalem dwelt some of the children of Judah. Remember, we talked about Judah, the line of Judah. We talked about Jesus coming from the line of Judah. And we talked about, here's his children. And the children of Judah, in the same part of the verse, is Athiah, and the son of Uzziah, the son of Zechariah, the son of Amariah, the son of Sephathathai, the son of Maliel, the children of Perez. And that's what we're going to focus on today, Perez. Everyone say Perez. Verse 6 says this, all the sons of Perez who dwelt at Jerusalem were 468 valiant men. Another way to look at it, the descendants, not direct sons. Perez didn't have 600 sons, okay? Yeah, but the descendants of Perez were mighty men. Where were these men dwelling? They were, in, they were invited to dwell in the city of Jerusalem because they were of the lineage of Judah, and they had a blessing, but they weren't just weak men. They weren't just ones who were just hanging around, they were mighty and valiant men. If you look at that word in the Hebrew, it's also used to mean able. Uh, they were victorious. They were strong. And, and so these were men that were well able to serve where they were at to bring protection. They were mighty men of God. Verse 17, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 17. I'm moving fast through this first part because we talked a lot about that last week. Here we are again, same verse we looked at last week, but a different heading. I want you to think about this. Breakthroughs that are perpetual through our families. Someone capture that today. Breakthroughs that are perpetual through our families. What do you mean by that? I mean that when God gave a breakthrough to, uh, to you, how many are, are first, first generation saved, first generation Christians? Uh, you didn't come from a lineage of uh, people that were saved, but there's a breakthrough in your life and it doesn't stop with you. That breakthrough that you experience is going to move on through your family. And somebody, some of us uh, who are not first generation Christians, uh, there's been a breakthrough in our family history. Somewhere back in the line, uh, I know I have a, a grandmother that was saved. I had a mother and father that are saved. My mother's in heaven right now because she had a walk with Jesus. My grandmother on both sides. My great-grandparents on both sides. I thank God for my lineage. I don't know where it started, but there is a breakthrough in somebody's life that got a hold of God and God got a hold of them and because of their faith in God, they kept passing down to faith. There's a breakthrough and maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and you don't have a, a family a Christian background but I want to let you know it can change right now for you and your descendants. God has a promise of perpetuating his favor upon your family and by calling on the name of the Lord. We're believing for his blessing, but it happens with the breakthrough. Amen. So Genesis 17, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and multiply you exceedingly. 99 years old. For his wife to have a baby, there had to be a breakthrough, miraculous breakthrough to take place in their life, and it happened, and here's what it is. He says, no longer shall your name be called Abram. But your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. We looked at that last week. Who comes from the lineage of Abraham? King David. Who comes from the lineage of King David? King Jesus. Amen. He says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in this generation for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. 
And then I went to Matthew chapter 1 under the same thing, same title, Breakthroughs Through Our Family. Listen to this. Here's a small list of genealogy, just one verse. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. If you read in Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 through 12, and we talked about this last week, just bringing a remembrance to get us caught up. We remember that Jacob began to bless his sons, but he overlooked he overlooked the first two, Reuben and Simeon, and he went to Judah and said, I'm giving you the family blessing, and he blessed him there. So now, let's move to Genesis chapter 38. And I want you to pick up this thought right here, breakthroughs despite family history. Someone say that with me. Breakthroughs despite family histories. So we, we went through all that to lead in because I want to focus on Judah this morning. Look at verse 1. And it came to pass at that time that Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. At about that time. What, what time? Let me just go ahead and bring you up to speed. If you look at Genesis chapter 37, you see that Jacob had sons and one of his sons was Joseph. Joseph had dreams. His brothers didn't like the interpretation of the dreams, right? We don't have time to go through all that, but they got frustrated with Joseph. They plotted to kill him while they were out away from home, and Joseph was bringing them something. They were like, when he comes, we know he's dad's favor because his dad made him this beautiful coat, and we want to take that. Let's just take it from him. Let's just kill him. And let's just throw them in. There's these cisterns that were there in the area they were at. Let's just throw them in one of those and, and let, the, let him die. And then Judah, ironically, stands up and says, hey, you know what? Let's don't do that. I see there's a band of some, uh, and, and these were Ishmaelites. Ooh, that's an interesting concept that the, the, the one that Abraham had a, a baby uh, through Hagar, who wasn't, that wasn't God ordained. They was trying to help God's plan. But we find out God said, no, I have another plan. At 99, I'm going to give you a son, right? Stay in God's plan. Don't get ahead of this. This is all these stories we keep looking at. Stay in God's plan. Be patient. And so, so Judah say, like, instead of killing him, let's sell him to the, to the uh, Ishmaelites. Reuben was one of the brothers. He had a plan to come back and, and, and get his brother from that cistern. So you know the story. Abraham, uh, uh, so Joseph is sold into slavery, and they're taking him, and Potiphar gets him and, and all that. So this is there. That's the backdrop of this. In that time frame, right after they did this, after they got rid of Joseph, Judah leaves the family and goes away, and he goes out from them to visit a certain Dumanite whose name was Hira. Now, verse 2. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite, whose name was Shua, and he married her and went into her, so she conceived and bore a son and called his name Ur. There's a lot of stuff here. I'm trying to give you the most information I can without staying too long. But if you think about this, if you go back to Genesis chapter 29, uh, we see that uh, there was this command to Jacob, don't let your sons marry the women from Canaan. Judah... Look at this now. He's, he just had a, a time where he sold his brother. He's not making good decisions right now. They were willing to kill his brother, but he got a little bit of uh, clarity for a moment. Let's, let's don't just kill him. That would be bad. 
Let's not just let him die. Let's sell him off. And so maybe that, maybe he had some hope in the, in the backdrop. Uh, maybe God will just do something and he'll be out of our lives. I don't want to deal with him anymore, but I don't want his blood on my hands. In fact, that's what they said. His blood will be on our hands. So now he makes a decision as he leaves his family and goes away. He marries this Canaanite woman and she begins to, to bore him children. I won't go through all that, but he gives three, he, he, he's born three children to him. Let's read through the verses really quick. She conceived again and bore a son. She called his name Onan. Uh, verse five, she conceived yet again and bore a son and called his name Shelah. And he was a uh, Chezeb. Uh, she was born to him. Verse six, then Judah took a wife for her, her firstborn, and her name was Tamar. Very important person that you've got to hold on to the story here. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked. He was wicked in the sight of the Lord. Now, I don't always understand some of these verses, but look what it says. And the Lord killed him. He was wicked, but the Lord took his life because of his wickedness. And this event started spurring some other things. In that culture at that time, it's not the culture that we do now. It's not the, the, the traditions that we have now. But at that time, when the eldest brother, because of the importance of the blessing, you know, the family name and all that, if the firstborn doesn't have son, the wife, if he, if he was married, she now has to marry the second in line to bore children to continue the name. I just got to pause right here and say, I have confirmation on this message. This was stirring with me just a couple weeks ago. The Lord interjected another message in the sequence and put this in line. But it was during that time when I already had some of this drafted and already had some of it in my mind that I began to listen to the revival that was taking place in Georgia at Jensen Franklin Church. And Perry Stone began to preach. He didn't go through all this, but he brought up this very thing. God is a God of confirmation. I want to let you know that we're on the right page. We're on the right track. We're listening to the right voice. God is in control and he's telling the church right now, get ready. There's a breakthrough that's about to happen. Amen. Amen. So this importance of passing on the first name. And, and if you don't understand those things, you read passages like this, it just doesn't make sense, but we have to understand the culture back then. And so Tamar marries uh, the second son, but he doesn't want to have anything to do with her. And so uh, the story goes on that he doesn't allow her to get pregnant. And so the Lord takes his life too. And now it's a third son, but the third son's too young to get married. So Judah says to Tamar, I want you to wait until until Sheila, the youngest, is old enough to marry, and then I'll give you to him because we need to pass on the family name. But guess what? The family name right now, uh, this, was, uh, this wasn't God's plan because I, I didn't back up. Uh, well, let me move forward. There's a lot of stories right here. This is how we're going to keep the family name for my sons. All right, we move on. If you look through verses 8 through 26, we begin to see the bad family history, what I just went through. Now let's focus on Judah and Tamar. In the course of time, Judah's wife, the Canaanite woman, dies. Doesn't say why, what happened to her, but she dies. During this time, the youngest, Sheila, becomes of age, but Judah doesn't keep his promise. It's not, in a, it's not a priority for him right now. And Tamar is getting anxious. I want to Get on with my life. I want to go ahead and bear sons. And, and he's not keeping his word. Because Judah's wife dies, he leaves and he goes 
does some work, and he's in a, another town. I'm giving you the short version of this. And while he's there, the word gets back to Tamar that he's there. He's being consoled by friends, and he's just trying to get past the, the loss of his wife. Tamar takes it upon herself that I'm going to interject, and I'm going to get over there, and I'm going to meet with him, but I'm not going to let him know who I am. So she dresses herself up. She goes into the, the city square, and she's sitting there like she's a, a, a prostitute. And when Judah walks by, he looks at her, not knowing who she is, and says, can I be with you tonight? And you're like, some, these are some weird stories. But these are true stories that happen in the Word of God. And I'm trying to show you that there's some bad history, but there's some good things that even come that because God oversees those things, and he brings grace. How many says grace is uh, sufficient for me? And it doesn't matter your family history. It doesn't matter the most horrible story that you have. God is able to turn things things around. So he, he doesn't know that this is his daughter-in-law, but they get together and she becomes pregnant. And here's what happened when he was going to meet with her. He says, how, how can I pay you? And he, and he, she was asking for some kind of money. She says, well, give me this. And, and he says, I'll do that when I get away. She goes, well, I need some kind of a, a down payment to, for that. That's going to come. Give me your signet ring and, and give me your, your the staff and some personal items that belong to Judah. And so she held on to him. And when the night was over, she left. The next day, Judah's getting a servant. Go get this, this land that I told her I was going to give her. And they're like, She's, there's, no, there's nobody out here. Uh, we don't even know who that was. We don't, even, we don't know anything about this. And so Judah just scratches his head like, okay, we'll just move on. Well, about nine months later, several months later, Judah finds out that Tamar is pregnant. He gets very, very upset. How could you do this to our family? You were supposed to wait for my son, Sheila. You went ahead and she grabbed the things that belonged to him and said to him, whoever these belong to is the father of my child. Well, that got him right there and he backed up. But I want to show you all this. Here's what happens. Let's go down to verse 30. There's a lot we could unpack, but for, the, for this morning, I want you to, to get onto this. There's a bad family history there. Judah wasn't even supposed to marry a Canaanite. And we find out, this is interesting, that through the lineage of Judah, there came King David. How many knows it doesn't matter where you, what family you came from? It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you were born on. When God changes your life and there's a breakthrough in your life, it changes everything thereafter. Down to verse 27. Now it came to pass, at the time for giving birth, that behold... Twins were in her womb. And twins in the, in, in, is in the womb of Tamar. Interesting. Couldn't just be one son, right? There's more to this story. And so it was when she was giving birth that the one put out his hand and the midwife took a scarlet thread and bound it around his hand saying, this one comes out first. It's a good way to identify the, the firstborn. They want to make sure they got that right. And then it happened as he drew back his hand that his brother came out unexpectedly and said, how did you break through? Now, I, I tell you, the, uh, the, these stories about twins always capture my attention. If you, if you didn't know, I'm a, I'm a twin. 
And our birth didn't happen as fast as this. Uh, uh, I, I was born 25 minutes before my, my twin brother. I am the oldest. And, and the, he thinks that, uh, I said that he got tired of me and kicked me out. And he said, <laughs> he said uh, that, that's, that's his version, he kicked me out. My version is that I just was ready to get into the world. I, I was ready to get started. So we not only were born uh, 25 minutes apart, but we were born a, a month early. And so I'm the one that gets credit for that one too. Uh, but, uh, there, but there's a breakthrough in the story here. I was connected, and what did is like I want to search out these twin things because in this idea of Perez, why is this story here about Perez being a twin, and then how, why is this important about him being born second, but then being born first? But if you read through this, what happens is the firstborn doesn't make it out of the womb. The one that had a thread already tied on his wrist, he's back in the womb, and then Perez comes out. And the question is, how did you break through? This breach be upon you. In other translations, it's not a question. Some translation has a statement, uh, you broke through. Now, you came through. Uh, there was, you were determined. And God uses this, the firstborn. Therefore, his name was called Perez, the, the, the breaking through. And I want us to hold on to this. This is not just some simple story that doesn't mean anything. There's a reason why it's in the Word of God. There's a reason why he was named Breakthrough. And he doesn't stop right there. Look at verse 30. Afterward, his brothers came out who had the scar of the thread on his hand, and his name was called Zerah. We're going to go now into Matthew. I'm going to do let's do the Bible. I know you feel like I'm all over the place. I am all over the place because I, I believe God is trying to do something here, and I want you to capture the excitement of this message right now. There's a breakthrough for your family. There's a breakthrough that's coming in this church. There's, there's going to be a sudden advancement that takes place, and God ordains that, uh, and, but it takes determination. I'm willing to break through. That's what happens in Perez. Even in his mother's womb, uh, there's this fight for I need to be first. Uh, there's this fight. I know you're like, well, that's contradictory to Christian. We're supposed to put others before us. Not in this case. This is for the blessing. Here's a fight for the blessing. I, I want to carry on the lineage of my father. I know that he messed up over here, but he's of the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, there's a blessing on him, uh, and so there's a fight for that firstborn. And Perez breaks through, and here's what we hear. Write this down. Are you ready? When you pray this week, it's going to make sense with the scriptures. Lord, I do not need a perfect family history to have a perfected faith and future. I keep my eyes on you, and I'm believing for a breakthrough for my lost family members and prodigals by speaking the name of Jesus over them. Can anybody connect with this today? Lord, I do not need a perfect family history. To have a, a perfected faith and future. I keep my eyes on you and I'm believing for a breakthrough for my lost family members and my prodigals by speaking the name of Jesus over them. I want to take you back to Matthew and show you the importance of this genealogy. That sometimes these names, just like why are they in here? Why are there so many? But there's a story with these names. Matthew chapter 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah. But it doesn't stop there. 
It doesn't stop with Judah, even though that he got away, even though he tried to kill his brother, even though he he went and married a Canaanite. He was under the lineage of Abraham. I want to let you know right now, there's some of your family members that are frustrating you. There's some prodigals out there you're wondering. You're like, how is that my son? How is that my daughter? But I want to let you know because you are a born-again believer, because they see the fruit of the Spirit in your life, because you have favor on your life, because you have the blessings of God. They are not just running away. They're trying to, but God is able to knock at their heart's door. He's able to turn their story around. He's able to pull them out of darkness and set their feet back on solid rock. And I've seen it in the Word of God. Jacob, or Judah should have just been left alone. Judah shouldn't have been a part of, of the tribes, but he was a part of that, and God was going to bless that in spite of Judah's failures, in, in spite of Judah's faults, beside of the, the, in spite of the history it became that we know that Jesus comes through the line of Judah. I'm jumping down now, verse 3. Then Judah begot Perez by Anzera by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Well, you see now Perez is in the lineage of Jesus uh, right here. If you skip down to verse 16 and go through a few generations, we see, and, jo- and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, Mary who was born, who born Jesus, who is called Christ. Aren't you glad for salvation? Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ came? to this earth and died. And now we know that Jesus did not come from a perfect family. Even though he was perfect and he was a spotless lamb, the perfect lamb, even though that he had no blemish, even though he had no sin, he didn't have a perfect heritage. You would think he would come from a perfect family, but that's not what happened. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and he was born in the Virgin Mary. And that uh, that was a miracle that took place. And because of that miracle, there was no sin in the life of Jesus even though that the lineage may have some tarnish to it, even though the lineage may have some stains, Jesus Christ was perfect, and because of his perfect blood, we can be forgiven of our sins. Uh, the sin can be wiped, washed away, wiped away, and the sins that your, that your, that your children are involved in, the sins that the, the, the prodigals are involved in, the sins that uh, the community is involved in, God wants to come and forgive people of their sins and remove them uh, from that life of, of sin and move them into a life of righteousness. How many believe that God is still, God is still saving people today? So to do this, I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Therefore, since we have been surrounded by such a huge cloud, crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Here's the verse I want you to capture. And look at this again as you're reading, let's do the Bible this week. Look at the connection. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and look at it and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Disregarding his shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. He's the perfecter. Some translations use that. He's the perfecter of our faith. 
I wanted to know this morning if you're watching online, if you need salvation, if you need healing, if you need any kind of prayer, my number's on the screen and you can reach out. I want to pray for you. I want you to know the day that God has a plan for us. He has a plan for your family. But we're praying for the breakthrough. We're going to drop some prayer bombs today that's going to penetrate through the, the defensive line of the enemy. We're going to believe that God is going to move on the hearts of our loved ones that are not following him, the loss of our neighbors that are not following him, the ones that we're trying to witness to. Because the power of God is greater than the power of Satan. The power of prayer is more powerful than the tactics of the enemy. Yes, some things only happen through prayer and fasting. It's spiritual warfare. It's not just lackadaisical, not living life for Christ during a week and then all of a sudden show up on a Sunday morning and, and try to have a, a prayer being. No, we have to live the life out. We're going to be in times of prayer. You may be dropping prayer bombs throughout the week at your homes, but when we come together, we intensify the amount of ammunition that we use. We come together on a Tuesday night and we begin to collect. So it's not just one little bomb, it become a big nuclear bomb. I'm going there right now. I'm saying it gets bigger and bigger and annihilates the tactics of the enemy. It's through our prayer. It's through our determination there's going to be a breakthrough. Not just saying, I hope there's a breakthrough. No, I believe there's going to be a breakthrough. I believe we're going to penetrate the enemy's line. I believe that we're going to go in and take back. I believe our prodigals are coming home. We're not giving up. We're not stop praying. We're not going to, we're not going to stop believing in this. I'm so blessed. Wednesday night, I gave you that, that assignment last week to write out your own Let's Do the Bible Prayer. And we sat around Wednesday night and we walked through those such beautiful beautiful thoughts that you were taking from the scripture, taking from the word, taking from the message. And God wants to continue to do those type of things throughout the week that we're thinking about him, thinking about what we're hearing. We're, we're talking about it together and it's exciting us for the next step. It's exciting us for what he has in store for us. That's why you get together and you talk about plans. It's better to talk about the plans before implementing the plan, right? Because if you get everybody together, like, let's go do the plan. Well, what's the plan? We haven't got together. We haven't talked about that. But when we come together in prayer meetings, we're strategizing. Here's what the Lord is telling us to do. We're praying into this. And so now we're starting. We're ready to move forward into this. So, God, we surrender to you today. We're praying, oh, Lord. We begin to speak the name of Jesus over our families right now this is this is so much burnt into me because this is what i'm hearing from you this is what i'm hearing from the from the church people there's a lot of people that deal with sickness and we keep praying we're believing for a miracle god is able go ahead and say god is able there's not one disease that god can't get healed there's not one problem god can't heal we believe it, and we're going to press into that. As you're here this morning, if you have sickness in your body, you need a healing touch. I'm going to pray with you here in just a moment. We're believing. We're praying for that breakthrough, a sudden change in diagnosis, a sudden change in, the, in what you're facing, a sudden change, an advancement of healing. I believe God is able to do that. 
So, but I've listened to some of you, and one of the first things that comes up is a heart for prodigals. One of the first things that rises in the prayer meetings, my son, my daughter, my grandson, my granddaughter. And we're believing, and God is moving. He's, he's orchestrating some things together. Don't overlook what buy a tree can do. Some of your families may show up on this property because you're saying, hey, you need to go buy and buy a tree from our church. Well, you know, I think I will. We get a chance to meet them, and then they're like, hey, they're not so strange people over here after all. I may want to go and see what your service is like. God is able. You take advantage of the opportunities and the doors that God is opening to connect us with them and them with us. But one of the things that stands out is your burden for the lost, your burden for our prodigals. Am I right? Am I on the right page? So we begin to declare right now, Heavenly Father, we speak your name, Jesus. Will you stand to your feet if you're able, if you're, if you're able to do that? Let's just go to this place of prayer. We speak your name, Jesus. There's healing in your name. There's deliverance in your name. There's power. There's redemption. Jesus, we call out right now your name over our sons and over our daughters, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews, all those ones that we're caring for that are close to us, our close ones, our near ones. We're praying for a breakthrough. We pray with tenacity this morning. We pray, Lord, with fervency right now. Let there be a breakthrough. Let there be a sudden advancement. Lord, let there be a breakthrough through the line that the enemy's trying to put up, that he's trying to pull our, our sons and daughters back into to keep them from the destiny and the purpose you have for them. We come against that in Jesus' name. There's a breakthrough today. Someone will begin to pray out loud with me. There's a breakthrough today. There's a breakthrough today. Lord, this hour, we're believing for it. We're believing for it. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. I want us to enter into, and we'll pray for some in a moment, but I want you, those who feel comfortable to come to flood this altar area, begin to cross the line, begin to see right now, the enemy line that is the beginning of this front row, and we're going to cross this line and break into spiritually, prophetically right now, into the enemy's territory, and we're going to stand here, and we're saying we're on the inside right now, and we're taking them back, we're taking them back, we're taking them back in Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Worship him right now. Thank you. 